Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Um, today we're gonna we're gonna finish um, a series we've been doing called Adulting, and uh, next week we're gonna move on to something else. But this week uh, I want to finish that series. And once again, I don't know why they let me teach a series called Adulting, but um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, finish it by talking about dealing with disappointment. Dealing with with disappointment. How many of you ever would ever say that you've been disappointed in your life? Um, maybe it, maybe it was you didn't get something you wanted, or maybe you got something you didn't want, and you were disappointed. I think we, we all go through we all go through disappointments. Um, any parents in the room? Any anybody know kids in the room? Okay, I just want to make it all inclusive. That's all. Um, can, can we can we just agree kids are weird? Can we can we can we can we go ahead and agree to that? Some of y'all are like I don't think I can. You can. They are. They they're weird. They, they they do weird things. And I don't care how close of a relationship you have with kids. They're you can already tell they're weird. Like, you don't have to have one of your own to know that a kid's weird, right? You don't have to, you don't have to actually witness them sticking the macaroni and cheese in the ketchup to know that they're weird, right? You can, you can, you can guess that. Or you can have Christmas, and you can tell that they're weird because they get the box, and they get the gift, and they spend more time on the, the box, right? Or you give them two separate gifts, and one is a string, and one is the toy they've always wanted. Which one do they end up playing with more? The string. Kids are weird. You can go to the park. You ever watch kids at a park? No, don't answer that. That sounds creepy. Have you, ever, <laughs> have you ever been at the park and seen kids? What do they always do to the slide? They always try to go up the slide, don't they? And it's not like it's, it's not like it's, taught behavior, it's, it's immediate behavior. Like, there is something, just like our sinful nature is we're born into, we are born into climbing up the slide nature, right? Um, my little boy, I don't know, he was two or three, and he was trying to climb up the slide, and there was one kid sliding down the slide, and they went, and I didn't get mad at the other kid, cause, and I told mine, I said, see, that's why you don't climb up the slide, right? But, but, but kids, they somehow intricately, I don't know if that's the right word. Anyway, they inherently know that it's more fun to climb up a slide, apparently. But what happens is as, you climb, as they climb up the slide, they, they, they climb up and then they kind of slide back. As soon as the angle changes, right, as soon as it gets a little too steep and they got to make that last little, they, they, they start sliding back down, but, it, but they don't give up. They keep trying. Do, does some of y'all feel like that's your life? Like your life is you trying to climb up the slide, and as soon as you get almost to the top, the angle changes, and you start sliding back down. Isn't that, isn't that how disappointment feels? Isn't that, isn't that how it feels when you thought things were going to be different and they were different for a little bit, but that, that job didn't really change anything long term. And even though it was a little different for a little bit, eventually the angle changed and you got to know your coworkers or you got to know your boss. And so now you find yourself sliding back down the slide. Isn't that how disappointment works? And the older we get, the bigger disappointment gets. Like, it's no longer just, I can't climb up a slide, but it becomes bigger, doesn't it? You become disappointed because 
that person, that man, that woman that you finally thought was it lets you down. Or maybe that, that job that you thought was finally going to be, it was, it was finally the place that you had always dreamed about getting, right? But you get it, and it's really, your life's really not that much different, so you're disappointed. Or, 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 or maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's you've, been, you've, always wanted, you've always wanted children, and now you find out you're pregnant, but now you have to stay up all night feeding the baby. And it, 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 it's, it's just it's disappointing. Maybe it's someone betrayed you, like you thought you could trust them, but they disappointed you, and you put your faith in them, and you put your confidence in them, but now they've, they've betrayed you. Disappointments. It can feel like you're, like you're sliding, climbing up a slot. I want to talk to some people today who are tired, who are tired, who are tired of thinking it's going to be different now, who are tired of thinking about if I can get through this, who are tired of thinking about when Monday comes, I'm gonna. I want to talk to some people today that are tired, that you're tired of climbing up the slide. You're tired of being disappointed. You're tired of living a life always expecting something different than what you get. And I'm going to call it Stop the Slide. Stop the Slide. That's my title this morning. Stop the Slide. I want us to look at a uh, Old Testament story. There's two halves to the Bible. One is the Old Testament. That's the part before Jesus came. One part's the New Testament. That's the part that tells about the coming of Jesus and the beginning of the early church. This is a story in the Old Testament. And it's about some people known as the Israelites and their disappointment in the fact that they've been freed from slavery, but now they don't have any water to drink. That's the way it feels, isn't it? Like, you got this big monkey off your back, but now there's something else that, that, that pops up that seems really small, but it's driving you nuts, right? You thought you were finally free, and now you don't have any water to drink. Just to kind of set the story up, Exodus 17, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. The Israelites were God's chosen people. He wanted a relationship with some people. He chose these people known as the Israelites. They were his chosen people, but they're in slavery in Egypt, the Bible says that God hears the groans of his people. He hears their groans, and he sets them free from slavery. They're free from slavery, but they still haven't gotten to the land that he promised he would give them. Do you see? That's, that's the chain, right? You're free for eternity, but you're still not in the promised land. That's where we are right now, and that's where some of you live your lives. You're, you're free. You know you have salvation. You know Jesus loves you, but there's still you're still full of disappointment. You're still full of sin. You're still full of something holding you back. You're free, but you're not where God wants you to be. That's where the Israelites are. And so God calls this man named Moses to lead his people, the Israelites, to this promised land that he has promised them. So they're, they're on their way. And the Bible says that they begin to grumble against Moses and against God. And the story we're going to look at happens in a section of similar stories. As a matter of fact, just a few chapters before this, God purified some drinking water, water, keep in mind, because it was bitter. And just the very chapter, the very chapter before this is when God provides manna for the people to eat. Do you remember that story? If you've been in church a little while, the people are hungry. They said, we had more to eat in Egypt than we do here, but yet God gives them manna, and every morning they would go outside, and there would just be this food on the ground that they would collect for the day. And so just a chapter before that, God provides manna for them. He says, you're going to be able to eat this as long as you're here. I'm going to do this every single morning. Go out. You're not going to have to do anything. The manna is going to be there. You just collect it and eat it. 
But yet, the story we're in, they're complaining again because they're disappointed. And I used to make fun of these biblical characters that, that did this stuff. Like, like Peter, who said, Jesus, I'll never deny you, but yet he denies him not once, not twice, but three times. Or like Abraham, who showed a lot of faith in just following the voice of God, but then lied. I used to make fun of these biblical characters, and then I realized I am them, right? I mean, I am, I am them. I, I am the person who God has provided for, who God has given things to, who God has blessed, but yet forgets about it the very next day because something else disappoints me. I am them. I am the one who says, God, I will never leave you. I will love you. I will worship you. I will spend time every day with you until Tuesday, right? I am them. And I love these stories in the Old Testament about the people of like, like Israelites. I love the stories in the Old Testament because it shows that God never gives up on his people. Did you hear that? They prove that God never gives up on his, pe on his people. This man Moses that we're about to talk about and we're about to read about was a murderer. A few chapters before the Exodus 17, Moses murders someone out in the field, and then goes and runs and hide. God never gives up on his people. And for some of you today, I don't care if you hear another word I say, but that is what you came to hear this morning, that God never gives up on his people. I don't care how disappointed you are. I don't care who's let you down. I don't care what you've done that you thought you didn't, you would never get forgiveness for. God never gives up on his people, and the proof is in your breath. God never gives up on his people. It's never too late to say, God, I break the chain. I come to you. It's never too late. We can't outrun God's, God's grace. And stories like this, the fact that the Israelites are still God's people after all he's done and they've continued to forget because they continually get disappointed because they're so fixated on what they want rather than what God's given them, it proves that God never gives up on his people. So let's, let's finally dive into the story, y'all. Y'all ready? Exodus 17, starting in verse 1 says the entire Israelite community left the wilderness of sin. <laughs> Some of you have been like, been there. Moving from one place to the next, according to the Lord's command. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So the people complained to Moses. They're disappointed. Give us water to drink. I love Moses' response. It's kind of like a father with their child. Go tell your mom, right? It's like, why, why, are you, why are you complaining to me? Moses replied, why are you testing the Lord? So follow this story. It says that they're going according to the Lord's command. So what are they doing? They are following God, but still find themselves in a place of disappointment. Right? And the reason that I bring that up is because some of us have been raised to believe or have been mis. mis informed to believe that the reason you get disappointed and the reason things seem to go off the rails and all heck seems to break loose around you is because you're not following God. It is completely possible to be following God yet still be disappointed and find yourself in a tough spot. It is completely possible for you to be doing exactly what God wants you to do and still not get all the feels every day from doing it. Do you understand? They say that the best place to be is in the will of God, but sometimes that is also the hardest place to be. They're following God, yet they find themselves disappointed. If you find yourselves disappointed this morning, I would say don't abandon your post just yet. 
Because sometimes the disappointment, as we're going to learn, is the very thing God uses to empower and strengthen his people. Some of you are there today. You made a decision, and you genuinely thought that you heard the voice of God, but yet you're disappointed in it. Some of you quit something. You quit doing something that you knew you should quit, but yet it hasn't yielded the results that you thought it would yield. As a matter of fact, it's made things harder. Some of you, 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 you started something. Maybe it was a diet. Maybe it was a workout. Maybe it was something else. And you started it because you believed it was the right thing, but yet you're disappointed in the results. For some of you, you tried your best, but yet the outcome was disappointing because somebody that didn't try their best got more than you got. It's completely possible to be following God, yet find yourself disappointed. And I, I think it's interesting that they're thirsty because God has already, he's already changed bitter water into drinkable water, and now they find themselves thirsty again. But why are they thirsty? Look, look at me. Look, look at with me. Verse 1 says, The entire Israelite community left the wilderness of sin, moving from one place to the next according to the Lord's command. Where they camped was the desert. Why are they thirsty? Why can't they find any water? Because they're in the desert. That's what deserts do for some of us this morning. The reason we're disappointed is because we're, for, we're forgetting where we are. And I think this is huge. I think this is a big deal because if you constantly bring faulty expectations and you expect a person or a thing or an income to bring you a certain level of satisfaction and you forget where you are, you'll always be disappointed. We forget that we live in a fallen world and that, yes, people are jerks. We forget that when we put faith in people that only God deserves, they're going to let us down. Some of you are disappointed, and it's not because you're doing the wrong thing. It's not because God's checked out. It's because you're in the wilderness. And that's just what is going to happen. For some of you, the enemy of your joy is faulty expectations. One of the reasons you can't experience the joy that God has for you is because your expectations are too lofty. And I'm not saying we speak doom and gloom and we look for the worst, but sometimes you just got to accept where you are and be okay with it. So they're in the wilderness. They're following God. They followed God to the wilderness, and now they find themselves thirsty. I think you're probably thirsty too, huh? Some of you are giggling when I say that because you know the Urban Dictionary definition of thirsty. But I don't mean that kind of thirsty, some of you probably, but I don't mean that kind of thirsty. I mean the kind of thirsty where you have this unsaid, unseen desires inside of you that maybe nobody else knows about or maybe they've just never been met. Like maybe, maybe you have this, maybe you're thirsty because you have this desire for security. And every time you think you find it, every time you think you found it in something, it lets you down and it disappoints you. Maybe, maybe you have this thirsty desire for, for someone to notice you. Like, one of, the, one of the toughest emotions to feel is alone. And some of you have felt alone for so long, and every time you think you have found him, you think you have found her, you think you have found a substance, you think you have found a hobby, you think you have found a place to go, a group of friends, every time it doesn't meet the need, and you're thirsty because you're disappointed in the ways that you're trying to quench your thirst. What are you thirsty for? 
What is that thing that maybe you'll never talk about? Maybe it's purpose. Maybe you're thirsty to know that I can have a purpose that's bigger than just me. Maybe you're thirsty to, to, to know that I have a purpose even though I'm a stay-at-home mom. Maybe, maybe you're thirsty. What are you thirsty for? Because it's important because when we're thirsty, we usually act out of emotion rather than out of wisdom. And so what happens is when we get desperate enough, when you get thirsty enough for company, high school age, college age, when you get thirsty enough, you get emotional, and you will try to meet and quench that thirst in ways that are outside of the way that God has designed for you, and it'll work for a moment, and that's why you get the chain, because it works for a moment, but eventually you're going to get disappointed. Be careful how you're, how you're quenching your thirst in emotional states. And so the Israelites, that's where they, that's where they find themselves, and here's, here's what they did, verse 3. Says, but the people thirsted there for water and grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you ever bring us from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? In a little while, these crazy people are going to stone me. Moses had the sense to call on God. For some of you, that's where you stop the slide right there. You call on God. As broken, as messed up, as far as you've tried to go to satisfy that disappointment, as far as you've ran from God, the things that you've thought about him, the things that you've thought about people, the hardness of your heart, with all of that, you still need to call on God because if not, you're never going to stop the slide and you're going to keep on trying to meet godly desperations and godly thirst in ways that aren't godly and it's just going to disappoint you. I was telling somebody about my, my title for this message this past week. I said, it's called Stop the Slide. And they said, put your feet down. And I'm not going to mention any names, but I told Johanna. I said, listen, smarty pants. <laughs> but you know what? She's right. Some of us, we don't ever put our feet down. And you wonder why you're sliding into disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. It's because you don't have any solid footing. Moses had the sense to, to call on God. And where we turn in moments of disappointment is just as important as what we do in them. Where do you turn when life disappoints you? Psalm 46, 1 says, God is a very present help in times of trouble. In other words, he never goes anywhere. But you got to turn. Where do you turn in moments of disappointment? So God speaks back to Moses in verse 5. It says, The Lord answered Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take the staff you struck the Nile with in your hand and go. God tells Moses, I don't want you to go by yourself. Taking the elders was symbolic, but it's also practical. When disappointment hits, I don't care how old or how young, when you get really thirsty, who do you have around you? Because here's what I know. For some of us, we've been chasing, quenching that thirst in ways that aren't godly for so long. We've pushed all those people that can bring us back in. We've pushed them away. 
because they've tried to speak the truth, right? And we've given them a stiff arm. Or they didn't do the things that we wanted to do, and so we found another group of friends. And now we've pushed all these people that, that could actually help us in these moments of disappointment. We've pushed them away, and they aren't around. Who do you, who do you have around you when disappointment hits? God says, take some of the elders, and then take the staff that you struck the Nile with. Now, there needs some context for that, for those of you that don't know. In Exodus 7... Before God freed the, uh, the Israelites from the Egyptians, he put these plagues on them. How many plagues are there? Ten. There's, there's ten. You know how you remember it? Ten commandments, right? But there's, there's, there's ten plagues, and one of those plagues that, that God hit the Egyptians with, basically to say, you better let my people go, one of them was he turned the Nile into blood. And the way that he did that is he told Moses, I want you to take, I want you to take this same staff. I want you to take this staff. I want you to hit the water, and the water turned to blood. And so here, God's telling Moses, I want you to take this same staff that you struck the Nile with. In other words, the same thing that worked for you in the past is going to work for you Again, in moments of disappointment, oftentimes we want to abandon the entire plan and go in a completely different direction. Who and what does God have around you that can speak some life into you and can help you see his past faithfulness? Because in these moments of disappointment, when it, when it gets dark, and I'm not just talking about that they, that they, they put mustard on your burger and you didn't want any. I'm talking about these moments of deep disappointments where those, those secret things that you so thirst for aren't quenched. What, who do you have? What do you have around you that can remind you that, yes, God has been faithful to me? It will get better. This disappointment is an event, not my destiny. He says, take this staff. Use it for the same thing you used it back in Exodus 7 because you know that I'm faithful. And this is going to be the thing that reminds you. God continues to speak to Moses in verse 6. I'm going to stand there in front of you. Powerful, powerful image. Let's just don't rush over that part. But God tells Moses, he says, I, I know you're about to do something big, but I want you to take some people with you, and I'm going to stand in front of you. How powerful of an image is that? I, 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 I see an offensive line blocking for a running back. I'm going to stand in front of you. I'm going to pave the way. I'm going to knock everything out of your way. I know, I, I know you're tired of these people grumbling. I know they've been walking in disappointment and living in disappointment. And so I'm going to go, I'm going to block the way. The, the, the people still may be there. The defensive linemen may still be there. But I am blocking your way in front of you. What a powerful image. God said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead of you. None of that was in my notes. That was free. On the rock at Horeb. When you hit the rock, water will come out of it, and the people will drink. Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. If you don't know this story, it's not a shocking ending, is it? It's not a spoiler alert kind of situation or a, 
I can't believe they just did that. You saw that coming, but don't overlook the way it happened. Moses literally struck a rock with a, with a, with a um, staff. He literally struck a rock with a piece of wood, and water came out of the, the rock. That seems crazy, doesn't it? It seems ridiculous, but for some of you, the thing that I came here to tell you is for far too long, you've been underestimating God's ability and overestimating yours. You've been overestimating your ability to find satisfaction and to quench those thirsts. You've been overestimating your ability to find purpose and to walk in purpose and to find the right relationships and to find the right life path. You've been overestimating your ability, but you have been underestimating God's ability. The same God that can take a piece of wood, hit a rock with it, water comes out, is the same God that walks with you each and every day. He's the same God that you wake up to in the morning. He's the same God that you go to bed with at night and he, or yeah, that you go to bed with at night and wake up with in the morning. It's the same God and he doesn't take a break. He, ne- he never slumbers, the Bible says. God is big enough to quench your thirst and to stop your slide. I don't know where you've been doubting God's power and ability at. What place in your life, for some of you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and the thing that you've been doubting his power in is the fact that he would still love you. But I don't know what that situation is in your life, where you've been doubting God's power. And I can think of mine right now, by the way. I'm not going to say it out loud because y'all will think, why are you preaching to me? But I don't know what that place is in your life where you've been doubting God's power, but I want you to know today he still has it. He can still do it. It's not over till the fat lady sings. We actually have a fat lady. This I'm just kidding. <laughs> ah, okay. All right. Sorry. So the people have an answer to their disappointment. And in verse 7, it says, He named the place Massa and Meribah. Because the Israelites complained, because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? Now, if you look up the word Massa, it means to test. The word Meribah means contention or, or quarreling. It says that Moses names the place. Testing, to test, contention, or quarreling. And maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I think it's interesting that they're on a journey through the wilderness, and they name a place, not a season, not a destination, not a person, but they name a place to test, contention, or quarreling. You aren't putting it together, are you? I think it's interesting that you can name that place where you've been disappointed. You can call it disappointment, but don't call your life a disappointment. Because disappointment, if we're not careful, we'll turn it into our lives, but it's meant just to be a small step in place and time. And so Moses, they get to this point, and, and Moses is like, that contention that testing, that quarreling, that place where you were disappointed and so thirsty, I'm going to name that place, that, but that is not going to be your destiny. 
that place of disappointment that you find yourself in over and over and over again, know that that is not your life. That is a dot on the map. Things change. They will get better. The slide will stop. And so they go on. They go on from this place, this place of testing, this place of quarrel. They, they move on. It's not, a, it's not a destination, but it's a blip on the radar. And the reason that's important is because you, you, you'll tell yourself over and over again, it's just going to be disappointing again. I'm just going to mess it up again. They're just going to let me down again. It's just not going to satisfy again. It's the same thing's going to happen that happened when I was 15. The same thing's going to happen that happened with him, with her. And if you're not careful, you will convince yourself before you ever go into something that it's going to be a disappointment if you think disappointment is your destiny and not just a blip on your path. Have realistic expectations, but don't determine ahead of time that the place is going to lead to disappointment. Years later, Paul would write 1 Corinthians to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians, in chapter 10, one of the things that Paul says is, he talks about the the children of Israel in Exodus. He says, they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was, was Christ. So what the Israelites didn't realize long, long, long before Jesus ever set foot on the earth was that a never-ending well would be coming on the scene that they would always be able to drink from. That in this moment of thirst that they're experiencing, Paul later says, Jesus is going to take away all that thirst. Any disappointment he can take care of, any letdown he can take care of. Paul is saying that this this thing, this life source, this well, which later Jesus would call himself, he would say, I am the well. This thing is going to cure all of your disappointments, all of your mistakes, all of your letdowns, all of the people that let you down. Jesus is the answer. He is the rock. He is the source of life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, just a moment, there's some people in the room and you still, you've never had that thirst quench for purpose. You've never had that thirst quench for, for more. You've never had that thirst quench for righteousness, for things being right in your life. And the reason is because you've never followed the rock and you've never experienced the water that never runs dry. If that's you this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus and you're sitting under the sound of my voice and deep down you know that you are dry and you are thirsty, just say this prayer in your heart. You can, you can say it out loud. We would love to celebrate it with you. But you can just say it in your heart. Just say, God, I know I've messed this up. I know I've chased after things to try to satisfy me. I know that I've tried to be good enough. I've tried to do enough but none of that works. So this morning, I don't know why, but I just feel like I need to put my faith in you, put my trust in you. So I ask you to come into my life. Jesus, I believe you you came to earth. I believe you died. I believe you rose. And so I don't know what it's gonna look like, but I'm gonna put my trust in you. Not just for eternity, but for today too, because I need some relief. I need to stop this slide. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of, the, one of the things about these Old Testament stories, one of the things about our lives is 
oftentimes God doesn't lead us into failure, but he'll use failure in our lives so we can see his power and his character. Some of you can attest to that, right? Can you raise your hand? I can attest to the fact that God didn't cause it, but I saw another side of God that I would have never gotten to see without it. You know, for me at least, I'm all about the destination. When I get in the car, I wanna get there. I don't want traffic. I wanna be the only one on the road. I want some sort of taser things that I can shoot out of my headlights so that people will move out of the way. Like, I wanna get there. Like, I just, I just wanna get to the destination, right? God's not a destination kind of God, though. He's more of a journey kind of God. It's not just about getting there for him. It's about going there. And in the going there, that's where he builds relationship with his people. It's in the going there. It's in the disappointing. It's in the... It, it's, it's, it's in the trying to do everything right, but still not things not working out the way you wanted to. It's even in, in the sin and trying to fulfill godly desires in ungodly ways. It's in the going there that God draws close to his people and says, I know you're disappointed, but I have the water of life. So for some of you this morning, the thing that's gonna stop the slide for you is for you to quit thinking about the destination, whatever that is. And let's face it, it moves daily to quit thinking about the destination, to quit thinking about getting there, and to think about going there and who's walking with you through it. Close your eyes just for a second. I think sometimes we can raise our hand and say I've got this in public, but sometimes I think it's a, a private thing. And so right now, if you have that thing in your life, if you're thirsty for something, but you continue to find yourself disappointed. Would you raise your hand? I just want to pray. I want to pray for you that you would stop the slide. God, thank you for every person that raised their hand and for those that, that didn't. God, thank you for the times in life where we do feel like we're, we're climbing up the slide. God, thank you not for the struggle, but for your strength, for showing yourselves in those situations. And God, for every person that just rose, raised their hand, God, I pray that you would help for them to frame the disappointment. God, that they would see the disappointment for what it is, not see it as of their life, but just as a blip. God, that you would help for them to frame it, that they would, that they would see themselves as you see them, that you call them child, that you call them loved, that you call them redeemed, that you call them enough in you. God, help for them to see themselves the way you see them, not the way they, they tell themselves. And God, I pray that those disappointments, God, I pray that you would meet them in a heartbeat. The people that have been chasing to fulfill all of those things all of their life, God, may in a moment of saying, God, I turn to you, God, I trust you, God, may they feel fulfilled for the first time. God, thank you for our church. God, thank you for an honest group of people. God, thank you for every person in the sound of my voice. And God, thank you for the honor and the privilege to teach your word. God, may we never undervalue it. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.